poo husband time part two last time we opened by talking about six but i don't know if you guys came across this there's a like a book series by allison weir called the six tutor queens and it's like a book like a series of novels and each one is about a different wife of henry the eighth it's basically what we're doing but in historical fiction i did not you guys come across this no but i did come across like henry the eighth or six musical wives tiktok that is the tiktok really? i'm on yes it was pretty immediate and i had to fling my phone off my balcony because i got disturbed i mean it's disturbing those books sound like it's like the american girl dolls but <gasps> henry's wives yes yeah the adult version for american girl dolls iconic i like where the dolls jane seymour's where head comes off jane seymour Anne Boleyn's head comes off. It's Anne Boleyn, ma'am. Jane died. Sorry. Jane died. Jane can birth a child. We can have that. That is part part of her narrative. Anyways, I have added all six of these books to my to-read list, and I'm going to put the link to the website in the show notes. Oh, can you also put it in the October? Oh, in the newsletter. Excellent idea. I will put it in the October newsletter as well. Every time I sit down to do the newsletter, I'm like, but I haven't done anything new with my life. What am I supposed to recommend? (laughs) I got some Trader Joe's food to recommend this time, though. So (gasps) this modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. Hello and welcome to Lady History, the good, the bad, and the ugly ladies you missed in history class. Hey Lexi, what would be your signature royal jewelry? My signature royal jewelry would be a giant macaw made out of precious stones and gems that would sit on my shoulder, uh, and that would be my like signature thing. On your shoulder, not like as a necklace? How would it stay up? It is the shape, size, and like aesthetic of a real macaw I don't know how it's gonna stay up that's that's for the jeweler to figure out (laughs) that's not my problem maybe there's like a contraption like a leather strap or something like a like a leather boob strap interesting and Haley what would your royal name be sprinkle bear McQuest and boots yeah fine (laughs) I'm so over that name I like the idea of how some royals have changed their names but I also just like my name at this point. I don't know. I've settled with it. I definitely know I do not want to change my last name. But if you say it's Sprinkle, whatever, McFuskin and Possiboots, it's, <laughs> it's that. I know it's that. And I'm Alana, and the crown jewels were still underwhelming. I wanted to talk about the audacity of the individual who came onto our Instagram and tried to shade me for calling Catherine the quarantined queen. Dear listeners. (laughs) I forgot you called her Catherine the quarantined queen. I have to come up with alliteration every week. Sometimes Alana and Haley also come up with alliteration, but sometimes we're like in the crunch and I'm just like, here's some alliteration. And what did they say? Because I didn't actually see. I I will pull it up. I will pull up the receipt. So this is the conversation. Not you minimizing Catherine's struggles to make Anne's situation worse via creating a contrast, but they spelled the word creating wrong. And they did that emoji where your eyes stick up, but they're really open. I like the roll my eyes, but some people use it to be cute. It's like the eyes up, not the eyes over. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. In my true social media manager fashion, I said, hi, did you listen to the entire episode? I'm pretty sure we made it very clear that all three of these women had horrible situations. They said, yes, I had. And this is the opinion I had formed due to the content, both about the podcast and the wording of of this caption. It's pretty disrespectful and biased. I said, the captions on our Instagram are just a small fraction of the content we produce. And the language we use on our Instagram is meant to be a playful reflection of the show for marketing purposes. Our Instagram captions are not meant to serve as an academic resource. If you did listen to our entire episode, you might have realized how much information was actually covered and how every detail of the transgressions against Catherine was covered. If you believe we missed anything of importance in the episode, please feel free to email us some sources. Then I also said, our use of alliteration to create unique captions for our show, which can be hard considering how few words start with the letter Q, is entirely separate from the research of our podcast. And I just think it's hilarious because I know they lied. They did not listen to the episode. No, of course not. There's absolutely positively no way. They just think it's shady that I called Catherine Quarantine Queen and I called Anne Boleyn Cursed Consort. But that's just because those are the letters. They both sound bad things. I don't know. I know. And does not come out looking better in that caption. I know. And like the other thing that's stupid about it is like Catherine was literally quarantined. And I think sometimes we think about quarantine, the word has evolved in this last year linguistically. But like what's happening in Australia where they can't leave their houses is an actual quarantine. And that's how I'm using mm-hmm. the word here because but this bitch could just not leave her house. It's just alliteration. It's just, it's not that deep. There are far worse ones. Like there are far worse ones. If you go through, if you it's... go through our past alliterations, if you want to throw some real shade on us. <sighs> like, I guess this is our PSA. We love our listeners. We try to assume the best intentions, but sometimes like get your facts straight Mm. and just a general PSA that we use alliteration in our captions for Instagram and And they're fun and they don't mean anything descriptions (laughs) for Spotify. So we have a new five-star review from someone whose name is said a nickname, which I love that that is the username that you posted this under because I think that hilarious because it tells you to set a nickname and so you just set set a nick title is great content informative friendly and a wide variety of women from society the hosts want to highlight great content so thank you set a nickname your nickname is incredible and so was your review and we appreciate it how much of a chance is it someone I met on Mumble (laughs) I I would love that a brief warning for the stories we are about to tell the content will contain References to some abusive relationships, violence, and in general, some not so nice things. So my edit is not really something that I got wrong, but something I want to elaborate more to be like crystal clear. And for Jane Seymour, I talked about like, or I kind of joked more about how her medical staff should have been more on point and on together of a woman having some complications after giving birth for people who have given birth. It is a traumatic thing that happens to one's body. And with the time of 1500s England, there was medicine and medical advice, but not the modern medicine and medical advice we have. And actually, This has been like somewhat of a debate and I'm not an expert, but I've read discussions about how more noble women and men have died from complications because of 
medical teams would go to them and they would do more harm than good because people didn't know about infection as well, or like their immune systems just weren't up to snuff compared to the people who were considered like you'd see the term peasants, if you will, or lower class compared to noble men and women. But comparatively, you had money, you saw a doctor, doctor killed you because medicine wasn't great. On the other hand, you probably still probably die because you didn't get medicine. And if you were bleeding profusely after giving birth or bleeding profusely because your hand was cut off because an ax came to it, you probably also died. But I thought the discussion kind of coming off what Jane Seymour would have had of if you were very powerful and rich, you could have died just as easily if you were poor because doctors didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I get to go first this week, and I have not gone first since episode four when we talked about crime ladies. Um, so it has been 50 episodes since I last went first. And if you like this format of me going first, too bad because you have to wait another 50 episodes. Today I'm covering Henry VIII's fourth wife, Anne of Cleves, not to be confused with his second wife, Anne Boleyn, whom I covered last week. Although I guess in German, Anne of Cleves is technically Anna, so it's not the same name. Uh, and also there were like, there were only six names in the past. That's just, you know, there were only six names in the past. So everyone had the same name. Anne was born September 22nd, 1515 in what is now Germany, but was at the time just like a province because Germany wasn't like Germany until the 19th century. And even then it was Prussia. But Anne was the daughter of the Duke of Cleves, hence Anne of Cleves. And Cleves was a Protestant area. And whomst else recently became Protestant, as in not Catholic? Much to consider. So to pick up the story from last week, Henry VIII has a son, hooray, but also his wife is dead, not hooray. So, <laughs> the way Lexi just looked at me is not hooray. <laughs> so in order to achieve this concept of, quote, an heir and a spare, Henry had to get remarried again. So this marriage to Anne of Cleves, which occurred January 6th, 1540, was purely diplomatic, alliance forming, no love necessary. In fact, Anne and Henry hadn't even met each other before they were betrothed. And Henry just picked her from her portrait and Anne had never seen him. Actually, on Anne's way to England, her like traveling party was accosted and a strange man tried to kiss her and she spurned him, like rejected him because what strange man tried to kiss her but apparently there was this old like chivalry thing the bride would meet a disguised groom and kiss him anyway because like true love or whatever would see through the disguise but that's kind of weird bad omen for a 16th century marriage i guess upon actually meeting anne henry famously claimed i like her not and tried everything to stop this marriage but he couldn't risk losing his alliance with cleves so the two were married anyway on their wedding night, Henry could not get it up, probably because he was old and lived an unhealthy lifestyle, even by 16th century standards. But nope, according to Henry, it was because Anne just was not pretty enough. And so he, according to him, left Anne, quote, as good a maid as I found her. And in all likelihood, again, we don't know because it's the past. See my notes from last week. 
But Anne was probably a virgin. There is an account of a conversation with some of her ladies-in-waiting where Anne is like, the king comes to my bed and he kisses me goodnight and then he falls asleep and says goodbye in the morning. That's enough to get pregnant, right? And all the ladies-in-waiting are like, oh, no. (laughs) And honestly, it sounds like something, like I read this story and I was like, that's something you tell like a child when they're like, where do babies come from? It's like, you kiss goodnight, you know? So absolutely wild. Anyways, Henry, ever the asshole, has the marriage annulled after six months. And Anne went along with it. Uh, It was the past, so we don't really know what she was thinking. But I'd like to imagine her thought process as something like, this man, whom's supposed to love me, is calling me ugly all the time, and he's blaming me for his impotence, and he won't make the effort to learn my language, and he wants to end the marriage? Fine. If I don't say yes, he'll probably cut my damn head off anyway. So she went along with it. She agreed to the annulment and is like, yeah, we never had sex, so we're not married. Henry is like, wow, cool girl. He gave her like 4,000 pounds a year allowance uh, and a little cushy estate to live on. And the two of them actually ended up becoming really good friends. And she actually came back on a couple of occasions uh, like a, to hang out like at Christmas time. She would spend Christmas with them. She was close with Elizabeth I and attended the coronation of Queen Mary. Anne died on July 17th, 1557, having outlived Henry and both of the women he married after her. I know the whole thing is divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. But I think Anne of Cleves also survived. And if anything, did more surviving than the last one. is me i'm in the same old place second in the middle smack dab right where you like me and we're almost done with his wives but we are leaving none of them out like with katherine howard and some may say that she's one of the more boring wives <laughs> lexi's dig last week but some have also called her a vixen and ended up with the term victim i call her trailblazer of just a wild ride And again, Hampton Court Palace, HCP, as I'm going to like refer to it, is where I got most of my notes because they did an amazing job just laying a chunky timeline out, if you will. So at first glance, Catherine Howard, you would notice that she was, quote, young, pretty, and full of life, as HCP puts it. And flashback to my last story of Jane Seymour, where she was noted as Not that pretty, so I'm covering the whole gambit on the fucked up scale of making a person's looks one of the first things you notice. Anywho, HCP also did a full-on whammy of a zinger, again, with comparing this youthful gal to the middle-aged Henry by saying he was, quote, plagued by old sporting injuries and had developed a terrible habit for turning his wives when they did not meet his lofty expectations, end quote. Coming in high. Again, really love their probably intentional, unintentional quotes. Catherine is coming after Anne of Cleves, as we said, was a lady in waiting. So this man had a type, all capital letters here, had a type. Catherine is actually Anne Boleyn's cousin. There's a portrait that they thought to be Anne of Cleves. So check it out on the Smithsonian Magazine article in the show notes. 
I just don't have enough time to cover it. But now they're thinking it's actually Catherine Howard. Cool shit. And on that note, I think her family just had a total mindfuck of a memory wipe from what happened to cousin Anne Boleyn because they actually pushed this gross union onto Catherine. We have like the last story of mine and all our stories. I note that we don't know much of the personal lives of Henry because we don't know much of Catherine's family, yada, yada. We know the story. We get the gist of it. We're here for the bumpy ride. How did you, if you go through Anne Boleyn, how are you gearing up for a round two of King Henry VIII being your family just once again? Who knows? So while the family and Henry thought they were the perfect match and Henry did did take a liking to Catherine. Historians are looking back and going, hmm, maybe this would have been weird, not even pointing out their 30-year age gap. Really, historians are pointing out that Catherine's might have done a lot of manipulating. And again, in true Henry fashion, just three weeks after Henry and Anne's marriage was annulled, the day being July 28th, 1540, Henry and Catherine were married. And who is ready for some history juices, a tropical assortment, if you will, because after marrying Mr. Poo Poo Butts, she was the stepmother of Henry's children, one of whom was Mary, who was two years older than her new stepmommy. And if you thought this caused some problems, you were correct. However, the idea of being a crappy stepmommy did not phase Henry. The serious issue at hand was Catherine had a, quote, ambiguous sexual past, end quote. And like this wasn't brought up during their, their premarital pillow talk, scandalous. Um, they, I guess they didn't. They didn't have any time beforehand. Maybe this was part of the grand old cover-up of Catherine Howard's parents, family, just trying to get back in bed with Henry VIII. This includes when she was sent off with her grandmother to live with her grandmother because her mother passed away when she was uh, around 10 or 12. And we all know, apparently dads do not do the raising after the mother dies because we've seen that in a lot of different stories. I know because I've told one of them, I just can't remember the person right now. She was apparently supposed to be supervised under grandmother, but she was, quote, unsupervised around men. I have no idea. This was a lot of uh, reading between the lines, whether this was consensual or not consensual, but who knows at this point, because she was 10 to 12. And that doesn't sound too consensual of me if we're talking about her being a teenager or when she was getting older. Regardless, Frances Derham, her music teacher was one of them. And that was noted to now then like Henry found out about Frances, I believe. And yes, possibly sleeping with people, Ever before meeting your husband could be bad, I say, while rolling my eyes. But really what got Henry to just lay down the hammer of his twisted decisions was finding out that she was sleeping with a gentleman of the king's privy chamber, Thomas Culpepper. Really cool name, Culpepper. And now that this affair was never confirmed, because we know very few details, a la history, but reportedly her maids, Jane Boleyn, Lady Rothford, would help Catherine sneak out and meet Thomas, especially when Henry was away from the palace. Of course, of course, this cheesed off Henry to the fullest extent. So his solution was to snuff Catherine right off the existence of this great universe. Again, Henry has a vibe, a type, just going through the motions. But let's not get 
ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Jokes. There was an investigation of all the possible Catherine affiliated affairs, even premarital ones, on November 2nd, 1541. So Catherine was sentenced to death on February 13th, 1542. Catherine was beheaded. It was noted that her maid, Jane Boleyn, went with her and probably stayed with her before she was beheaded. And I believe there's actually like a portrait of this. I'll try to find it. And she also could have been as young as 17 when she died. So that's utterly terrifying. She is a ghost and haunts places. Catherine was supposedly arrested at the HCP. So that palace has some explaining to do and broke free running to the doors of the chapel royal. And she did this to meet Henry while he was at prayer and she wanted to like beg for her mercy. So where is this ghost? Apparently she can be seen running through said gallery now dubbed as the haunted gallery with visitors saying that they have like had strange sensations or feeling a chill when they pass through that area. Anne is also a ghost. I think my last lady was was Jane a ghost. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Pretty sure I didn't mention ghosts. that last time, but Anne Anne Boleyn also haunts the Tower of London. I like how who doesn't cousins, haunt the Tower of London? I know, but I like how Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard were cousins, and they're the two who were beheaded. of Henry having a type. I will be talking about Henry's last wife, Catherine. I think, so here's the thing, now that we've said all their names, I think that maybe Jane Seymour was the favorite wife because he never married another Jane. Okay. Thoughts. Ooh, I like that. Cause I believe it. Yeah, Anne, 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 Catherine, Catherine. Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. Half of them are Catherines. It's a theory. Mm-hmm. He definitely had a vibe and a type. Vibe and a type. Motive means an opportunity. Oh my. Oh my. So Catherine Parr was the sixth and final wife of Henry VIII. And she was not as young as Catherine Howard, but um, she was younger than our fat old king at this point. Her father was a royal official, Sir Thomas Parr of Kendall. And by the time she met Henry, she'd been married and widowed twice. When she entered Princess Mary's household, she was courted by Thomas Seymour, Jane Seymour's brother, the late Jane, um, and she was like about to marry him, but felt God and possibly her country called her to accept Henry's proposal. But let's bring it down. I think a king is into you. You can't say no. I'm pretty sure that's like royalty rules in the creepy Uh, past. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably just making excuses. She married the king on the 12th of July, 1543 at Hampton Court Palace in a very small ceremony. Catherine became a dutiful stepmother, building strong relationships with Henry's three children and supporting them as well as remaining close with them even after Henry died. Um, Some records claim she took custody of the princesses when he died. It is said Catherine's strong presence as a female leader impacted Princess Elizabeth's attitude when she became queen. Catherine was a deeply religious woman and often pushed conversations about religion with her husband too far because of her zeal and passion for religious reform. 
She was a supporter of the English Reformation, which angered her religious opponents who tried to convince the king that she was dangerous because they knew he had a history of beheading ladies and they thought, well, what about this one? That could be convenient for us. After pleading for forgiveness from her husband, he decided to ignore the accusations from her opponents, and Catherine became the first English queen to write and publish a book when her book Prayers or Meditations was released in 1545. After Henry's death from being an old, fat, crusty guy, that was his official cause of death. That's what's written. That's a joke. Thank you. We joke here. Catherine returned to her old suitor, Thomas Seymour, because just like on an episode of Jersey Shore, Everyone in the royal court is fucking each other. She became pregnant with their child, but unfortunately passed away from complications related to childbirth shortly after giving birth to her daughter. Her daughter tragically died two years later, though records are not entirely clear and some edgier historians and crazy people like to theorize that she lived longer. Some people even think she lived into adulthood and had her own children, but she probably died when she was two. That's it. That's literally all there is about Catherine Parr. Sadly. You can find most podcasts on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Lady History Pod. Our show notes, a transcript of this episode, and our merch will be on ladyhistorypod.com. If you like the show, leave us a review or follow us on Patreon. And if you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Our logo is by Alexia Ibarra. You can find her on Instagram at girlbum.productions. Our theme music is by me, Garage Band, and Amelia Earhart. Lexi is doing the editing. You will not see us, and we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Lady History. Next week on Lady History, we're starting off our October spooky season with spiritualists, mediums, and such. I'm excited. You should be excited. I think the cast of Lady History is collectively very excited.